And that's why some weeks you can't come up with anything funny. What's going on, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, a podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more while also sucking less. Yes. In Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson. In Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. How are things? These are good. Things are good. I played a uh, fun trivia last week, uh, but that was my only thing going on. And uh, Father's Day weekend was a long weekend. I had off for Juneteenth. And yeah, it was all quite nice. I did hear from the bar that's hosting me for the trivia that they're not feeling the cash register love on Thursday nights. And we may need mm. to look at the end of this month about that. And honestly, it's fine. It's been a fun, it's been a fun run. It's fine. I have an easy replacement for it. You know, I can keep myself in a weekly gig. Probably it would be karaoke just because it's been a long time since I've had a regular home for karaoke. But yeah, uh, there's a bar literally around the corner from that place. It's brand new and hot. People, a lot of foot traffic and a lot of activity around it. And the manager has been a good friend of mine for many, many years. This is his first time managing a bar. He was a manufacturing line engineer by trade. So like he worked for companies that did manufacturing and he kept all the machines yeah. running. Um, and he's kind of, he's kind of doing the same thing now, except it's a brew line and uh, all the things that go into being a brew pub, including dealing with music, which he's never done before. So I may end up that in there like and it'll be fine. Sweet. Um, oh, had a fun full band gig on Saturday at the cider place, the Greensboro version of the cider place that I played at a lot. And we made a smart decision. It was their 10th anniversary party, whole big party. And yep. last time we were there, we played seven to 10. And by about 8.30, nine o'clock, the place was a ghost town. People just don't stay there late. So we put us on five to eight mm-hmm. this time. And it was packed and good and bumping and really, really that fun. That was the move. And a lot of good interaction, a lot of good party. It was nice. So that was nice. a fun time. Yeah. I did not get Juneteenth off. I took Juneteenth off. Good. We were doing a transfer of children from one house to their grandparents. Mm. And uh, it did give me the opportunity to patronize the Buckies in our area. Now, I know that uh, now you guys don't have don't. that establishment around you. We don't. I've been to them when I was in Georgia. So if you are in proximity and you have never gone, it is uh, quite a place. It's a bit of a spectacle. It is. But uh, boy, howdy, their briskets are good. Yep. And so is their beaver nuggets. Yep. And if you want to talk about a gas station with a solid merch game, I don't think anybody's like in the, uh, in the realm. I mean, and, the uh, only thing I can think that's close is wall drug. Maybe, but there's it's only the one border, of those. Maybe. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's a fun place. It's a fun place. And, uh, it's yeah. If the, those of you who aren't in the Southeast, it's like wall drug. It's like, you know about it for miles. Yeah. They make a very big deal out of them and uh, they got clean bathrooms. So if True. you're traveling, if you're a band on the road and there is a Bucky's, you should go get some food, use a nice clean bathroom and gas is usually pretty solidly priced also. Yeah. As far as our week goes, we've got a show coming up this Saturday. It's a big municipal event north of us in a city called Cumming, spelled exactly the way that you would think mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, the funniest thing about that place is that there is definitely a Toyota dealership called Beaver Toyota Incoming. And they know exactly what it sounds like. And they just, they lean into it. I'm proud of them. Good for them. They're just like you were saying pre-show, uh, rain is in the forecast. It's <sighs> rain is in the forecast every day here for the indefinite future. Cause Hey, summer in the South, baby. Yeah. I have my newest, very, very, very expensive house upgrade is uh exterior paint and new siding in the second floor. And it was supposed to start 
yesterday, except that the forecast calls for 10 days of rain. The 10-day forecast is rain as far as the eye can see. So yep. pushing that back means I get to spend all that money a week later than I would have. I, I don't know. doesn't matter. It's all going on the home equity line of credit, so timing's not an issue. Speaking of money, I got the drywall done. Good. In the the pantry expansion, yes. we have a coat of paint on the inside, so now it's time to actually do the like shelving and the lighting, wiring, all that stuff. Very good. Um, I'm currently painting doors because we got doors, and they got to be painted. What color? Uh, white. Because just white. I mean, there's six panel doors. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Listen, um, our but, house is going to be sea serpent, and the okay. trim's going to be alabaster and the doors are going to be rust uh tarnished trumpet god bless you um i mean you typically have to pay extra for a uh for a rusted trumpet (laughs) sorry about that even that right there nope the e is going on the episode what Mm. are you gonna do Uh, and that was a tarnished trumpet folks not a not a rusty trumpet that's a different it's a different instrument it's a whole different different instrument instrument. it also costs seven dollars extra um i'm alarmed (laughs) if you know that uh listen (laughs) You don't know me. I thought it. Well, that's not entirely true. Anyway, <laughs> let's, can you please help me get this? Let's move to another topic. Let's back on track. Yeah. yeah. No, there's no segue. Um, we got to just cut it and go. Here we go. Right. Next topic, so, friend. Uh, in other news, we've got band practice tomorrow. Yeah. Guys haven't been uh, in the room in a little bit. You know, we had that little spat of karaoke gigs. I mean, things are feeling loose, but it's time to tighten them back up because we got to we gotta keep things moving. Think Able Set is on the deal in one of the things we're messing with is that because it's got this really nice visual readout, um, adding break cues. So it's like, Hey, this is the time where you talk about this thing. Mm. And so it's like a little prompt that you can, uh, see as you go through stuff. So not only can you do lyrical things, but you can also do like, Hey, dummy mention the website yeah, or thank the people who booked you that kind of stuff. Um, so we'll be knocking the cobwebs off of the show. And then I've been t- messing around with my Steinberger, got some new parts for the the bridge, which make tuning much smoother. Cool. And I was like, I think I might be able to run this thing in a floating bridge. And then my one of the strings like completely unwound itself. So I'm not sure if the string tension issues I was having with the bridge we're related to the faulty string, right? Uh, but I'm going to go get that replaced tomorrow, and we'll see if I can actually run this thing in a floating configuration. You, because when I did, oh yeah, huh. and the Steinberger's got a pretty solid mechanism on how to keep them like one or the other. I haven't played on a floating bridge, and yeah, I don't even know. So might be fun. Throw a wiggle stick into the uh, absolutely into the mix, absolutely. But we'll see. Uh, if I can't get the, the tuning stabilized, though, uh, that's a hard pass. Right. Um, sure. But, you know, it's work in progress. I've got big plans for the Steinberger now. My ultimate goal is to make this the most 80s guitar on the planet. And I've got a couple of objectives that I hope to get run through in the coming months to see if I can see that through and make it happen. So fingers crossed, you guys will get to see some of that. Cool. Speaking of things that you guys will get to see. Last week, I was talking about how I was going to release a video on the YouTube channel about my onstage pedal board setup, and I lied. 
because I ended up releasing a totally different video that I came up with the day before it was supposed to come out about gear endorsements, which is something that we have talked about before mm -hmm. um, multiple times. And I had gotten a couple of questions about it on TikTok and just felt like I can speak into this <laughs> and condensed it down to something a bit more digestible. And I think I will use the onstage video as a buffer for when I've got vacation first week of July. So I can just put that in the can and have it ready to go. The other thing that's happened is that we finally hit the objectives to reach monetization on YouTube. Boot. Uh, you know, I don't see either of us, you know, quitting our jorbs to be the cover band lords of the world just yet. That quad cortex but, um, video I made a year and a half ago, yeah. that's not burning up the internet. Is that what you're telling me? I mean, it's one of the highest watched ones. They, I'll uh, tell you the <laughs> one that we did on the, the new, what's it called? The, the head rush. Oh, has been like very, very solid okay. as far as people watching it. So um, hooking onto viral gear releases has always been a, you know, traditionally that's a strong move. Yeah. And we were in the right place at the right time. We dropped it like the day it came out yeah. or right around that time. So yeah, it was like 12,000 views. It's not nothing to thumb your nose at. Yeah. It's not huge, but it's pretty big for us. Yeah. So, you know, we'll be raking in the pennies over the coming months or tips. Well, I'll be able, you only get a payout when you hit a hundred bucks in the AdSense accounts. Oh. I might be able to buy you a, a six pack by Christmas. Okay. In other housekeeping news, I think it's review time. Ooh, let's do. So we've been really loving being able to do reviews every single week, uh, but new ones haven't been coming in. So I've got a couple more, but if you want to hear more reviews, you should leave one or find one of your bandmates to leave one so that we can continue this section of the show. It's one of my favorites. Um, hopefully you guys enjoy it too. This one uh, was from Apple Podcasts. It's a five-star review from John Zaremba. It says, a must-listen for working bands. Such a valuable resource every week. Dan and Adam, Dan and Adam, you got top billing. Uh -huh. Give entertaining, clear-eyed, and practical advice on how to work with clients, how to deal with the many personalities of musicians, which gear they find useful, and so much more. A great pod by two guys who are good at what they do and who love doing it. Big thanks to John. Uh, if you want to hear awesome. your name or your band called out on the show, five-star reviews, easy way to do it. So, uh, so do it, do it done. I'll just say for the record, I think Adam and Dan flows better. I mean, Dan and Dan and there's Dan and Adam. Dan and Nat. Janana. Yeah. It's like banana. Adam and Dan just flows a lot better. I will say this. There's, there's another review that we have in the chamber. It is also a Dan and Adam. Dang. So there you go. Learn to flow. people. I'm not mad at it. Yeah. Whether you do it in, uh, ascending or descending order. It's all good. All right. So this week we had a topic pop up in the Patreon group that I think is just a fun conversation and something I think we all can relate to. Yep. And um, this week's topic is compliments of our one of our patrons, Christine Moser, who sings in a band called Finding Molly. So this is, again, around the dark arts that is song selection and set list orchestration. Yep. Christine's topic is as follows. If your set list absolutely slays one night from beginning to end, just an absolute, like, just barn burner the whole night, do you keep the same list and play it again or go out with a bang and figure that's that and it'll never be the same? Which is, I think, a super valid question. Really, really great question. And I feel like we've all kind of been in a situation where you are, you're at a venue or you're playing an event and, like, everything's just firing. and 
the room feels good and the stage sounds good and the band is just on fire and the crowd's just electric. And those are the, honestly, the things that we spend probably the other 95% of our gigs chasing after. Um, But it does seem to be, in my experience, a bit of a fleeting kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And in order for something like that to happen, there are so many other factors that have to be in alignment for that magic moment to occur. And song selection or song order isn't necessarily the linchpin. It's definitely, it can be a very powerful component to that recipe, but I don't know if it's necessarily the make or break clincher for you having an incredible night. Right. But it seems like the crowd was split. There wasn't a solid consensus on how everybody felt. So what would you say your take on the situation is? Well, I have a bit of a story to tell about this. My band before this one, the Clinky Lincolns, didn't make it through COVID. And I blame COVID primarily for that. We were all ready to come out at different times and people wanted a gig and others weren't ready. Me weren't ready. And that piece of timing was the main cause of the end of that organization. But if I'm honest, we were in a place where we had a standing monthly gig and then at least one, maybe two other gigs in a month. We weren't rehearsing anymore at all. We saw each other at the show. We played our show. We went home. So we weren't turning over the set list for new content. We weren't reinventing it for new material. And we were great. We had a set list the band could play in its sleep. Mm -hmm. And at some point we were playing it in our sleep. And, and it really impacted, I, I don't, I've never heard any feedback that anyone else noticed that we were bored with our show, but yeah. I certainly heard that internally. I knew it myself and I knew that I would have to deal with it at some point. Um, and then we stopped playing gigs for however long that was. And I, <laughs> I didn't yeah. have to deal with it, but I lost a really great drummer who had been saying like, man, we need to rethink everything to another band that rethought everything and God bless. It was what he wanted. You know, no, no, no complaint there. Um, but there is a real risk that if you lock in on a set list, the way that you've got evidence, it works, you're going to cost yourself joy. You're going to cost yourself mm-hmm. the excitement of things. We, a couple of times <laughs> we threw songs in that we, and I know there are bands that do this, but we never had that we deliberately brought to the stage without having rehearsed. And we just all kind of pinky swore that we knew them and learned them and had them. And we announced them on stage. This is a song. This is a new thing we're doing. We're calling, we're tight roping this song without a net. We're saying, you know, yeah. doing it. And our audience who came to stuff like got to where they enjoyed the couple songs in a night that we were not winging it, but you know what I mean? Like not fully baked on, um, if we'd done that sort of thing, if we'd done more mix up of the set list, that would have been, I think that would have altered our experience of being in the band and in the show. And I don't know what the outcome could have been of that. So there is a real risk to creating a set list that works and then sticking with it. There's a real risk yeah. there. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of folks who chimed in. Josh from Rising Phoenix. So they actually run basically the set list most of the time to change it up if they play two nights in a row near each other. But it otherwise generally stays the same. And I think that's probably fairly common Mm -hmm. that you get something that feels good, flows well, and it just kind of locks in. But like you said, there's definitely the risk of things getting stale uh, for it being predictable. And Josh mentioned that um, 
if you have people that come out to see you on a regular basis, you are giving them less incentive to do so frequently. Right. Because if you don't come with something new to offer, why would you go, let's say you had a standing gig every month. Um, There's very little incentive to to go each time. And that's something that like members only has become cognizant of because we now have this new kind of home base at 37 Main Avondale where we want to make sure that when we show up, we've got something fresh to give people. Exactly. We were trying to get some like summer dates, late summer dates kind of locked in and couldn't land on any of those. So our next gig there is going to be October, Friday the 13th. Mm. So we're like already talking through all the stuff we want to play for that because it's, I mean, it's a Halloween gig and 80s Halloween is kind of like, you know, chef's kiss. It's Mm -hmm. like all the good stuff. Perfection. But we probably need to start working up Dead Man's Party uh, to have it in time for for that gig. Yeah. But yeah, we're at the um, rehearsal for this week is going to be, we're trying to do some new transitions, moving some stuff around. Uh, but you had mentioned this before that while you may not have a, like a, an, a 100% like stamped set list, there's blocks of your gig that yes. are pretty locked in that are these chunks always travel together. Well, yeah. And it's because we built them to be flow through medley. Yep. And part of the thing of that, you just mentioned a crowd that comes every month or you're throwing them anything new those medleys they thrive on they maybe they only exist in any real way when they're surprising Mm -hmm. right we do superstition oh my god all of a sudden they're playing kiss oh my god all of a sudden they're playing long train running oh my god all of a sudden let's play that funky music right that that moment of like what have they done oh that that is no longer there for somebody who comes back to our shows every month and we do it every month. I don't know. I don't know why we're still doing that. Uh, it's part yeah. of why in, in my new project, I've built way more of those and, right. and we're intending to cycle them. Now we've only been, we haven't been together long enough to have the same kind of book that my last project had, yep. but, but we're getting there and my players are really thoughtful and creative and have great ideas about things we could play. Um, so we'll get there. And I think the point is, and why I'm sharing that is I really have learned my lesson about just picking up last week's set list and copy and pasting it in band helper or whatever you use, because there's just a real risk there that burnout happens and fatigue happens. And especially when you're playing three to four to five times a month, like we were mm-hmm. at some point we were just tired. We were just tired and I hated the setup. I hated that I didn't have any help for the breakdown. And then the show wasn't giving me the joy I was used to getting from it. Mm-hmm. So um, avoid that. Well, touching on what you said, what are the other things that I honestly kind of love as when people come up to us after the show, oh, you didn't play XYZ. <laughs> yes. Because in our world, we have some stuff that you're just always going to hear mm-hmm. because they're just staples. And up until you know maybe the past year or so, Every show started with Video Killed the Radio Star. Every show ended with Don't Stop Believing. Right. The first song has gotten very fluid and we switched things up a lot, um, which we, I mean, for literally five, six years, we didn't. I, I Don't Stop Believing is still a song you're, go- you're going to end your official set with or your show with. And for the record, now, my version of that is Purple Rain. Well, and- we also now have the handful of songs that if we do some sort of encore, we're going to go out with. Mm. 
So all that stuff is, there's a rotating cast, but there's certain things that are just, they're going to be there because we've worked them up and they work so well. Like we're, I don't know if there's going to be a show where we don't do Hungry Like the Wolf. Sure. And there's not going to be a show where we don't do, you know, Pour Some Sugar on Me or Jesse's Girl. Like some of these things are just non-negotiables. Right. Summer 69 can't, no, you have to do right. it. Um, but I really love the fact that there's, we are still fiddling with these blocks and we're still coming up with different ways of ordering things. Mm -hmm. And this thing that we're coming up on Saturday, like there are some, there, I, I actually, I pulled up the list cause I was really stoked on these. Uh, Amber and I, as we were driving back from dropping the kid off, we were sitting like and reordering stuff. Because while like, I feel like I know how things like from a musical standpoint go together. She's really good at like the energy and this should go into this. And she's also able to see things differently than I do. Cause she's, I feel like this song and this song are doing the same thing. Hmm. And she just views music in a way that like is unique compared to, to me. We should, so we should, um, we should bring her on to talk about that. That'd be an interesting. Oh, geez, I can't wait to tell her you said that because she's been talking about it. A okay, lot. well, um, it's but, been a long time since we had so, an Ambercast. I think it. I think it it's true. It is true. So um, we uh, we brought turn back time. Um, we brought that back into uh, into the fold. Uh, but here are the last four blocks of our our night. Power of love. I think we're alone now. Centerfold. Okay. Small break. Here's where it kicks up. Let's go crazy into Sledgehammer, mm. into I Love Rock and Roll, Simply Irresistible, Hit Me With Your Best Shot, Break, Don't You Forget About Me, One Way or Another, Boys of Summer, we do a cross between the Don Henley and the Atari's version, so it's kind of big, okay. but it's got kind of, it's got all the, like the percussion from mm -hmm. the original. Uh, Walk Like an Egyptian, Last Block, Living on a Prayer, Pour Some Sugar on Me, Don't Stop Believing. I mean, you're ending with bangers. Hard to go wrong. But, it's that let's go crazy sledgehammer. I love rock and roll. Simply irresistible. Hit me with your best shot. Like first off, they're all in E flat mm -hmm. with the exception of let's go crazy, which is F sharp, but just one right after the other, just like punching you in the face with just yep. uh, when we like, I, I got like goosebumps as, as we were talking through it, setting the list up. I was like, this is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. So fingers crossed. We make it that far into the night before we get rained out. <laughs> Yeah, and here's a, a skill I've recently learned that I have and I've developed is the ability to look forward in the set list, know what's negotiable and what's not, and you know, and look at the clock and make a call now about the ones that need to get cut so that we can do the important ones to end the show. Yeah, in the rough kind of layout of the stuff we wanted to do, Sweet Child of Mine was in there, but it was in that it was in that last block of three. And if you're doing Living on a Prayer, Pour Some Sugar on Me, Don't Stop Leaving. Like there's just not, you don't need it. There's not a place for it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need you, it. In order to add that, you would have to pull something, one of those out. And it just doesn't for, for a gig like this, where it's, it's a municipal event. You're not really like people are there to see a show. They're not there to see you. They want to hear these songs. Right. And it's not like they would be disappointed to hear poor, um, sweet child of mine, but if they heard it in exchange for, one of these other songs, like I think that would be no, yeah, you're, you're that'd be the wrong be trading a dollar for a dime. That's not what you know. Yeah. Listen, we do. I think I've shared about this on the pod. Maybe even my co-front person Taylor is a fiddle player, and we do "Sweet Child of Mine" with her on fiddle, playing all of Slash's part. Yep, solo and everything, and it kills. Yeah, um, partially because the reinstrumentation is so interesting, and partially because she just 
wails at it. It was amazing. I can't, I have to sing it an octave down the whole song. So I'm always trying to like add energy into it as I'm an octave down. feels a little weird, but that's how that is. And it, but Taylor carries that song. It's, it's fine. I get to, um, I get to meow at the end of it. If I, if I decided to sing that part, where do we go now? Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> Good. Yeah. The other thing, it does grab me like the little like inside jokes you do to like just amuse the people uh-huh. on stage. Yeah. So we do, I melt with you, um, modern English. Mm-hmm. And there's two kinds of British singers. The ones that kind of tuck away their accent and they're the ones that like lean into it. Yeah. And this one is one of the latter. So I'm very much the moving forward. Mm. Like I really laid into That's it. Right. It's never the last, the, best. Gig, the last gig that we did though, I decided I was going to do it in an Australian accent huh. just for my own amusement. And um, because I am a parent and there's certain shows that we watch all the time, right. I'm in the middle of singing this song in an Australian accent. And I just look, at Amber and I just go airport from Bluey yeah. and uh, we just had a little tickled moment uh-huh. between the two of us because uh-huh. I just kept saying airport in the uh, in the lyrics yeah so, that was a fun that's one good we have some we've we've developed some inside jokes um we do Africa and in the last chorus I always announce I'm going to try it and then I go for the and I hit it some of the time um let's become a become a thing I'm gonna try it I'm gonna try it and Taylor's like oh, I don't know man I'm gonna try it I'm gonna do it and then it it either goes or it doesn't. But yeah. Either way, because you, yeah, yeah, crowd enjoys it because yeah, the entertainment is in and, the yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. So yeah, I think we all have our the way that we do things, um, but I think there's a lot of factors that you need to take into account when you are considering um, whether to rehash something or to try something new. You know, uh, including, Fred including those inside jokes. We've done the same yeah. inside jokes for a while and they've evolved some, but, um, you know, with my previous project, we had a bunch that we were, as I look back doing on automatic pilot, we hadn't rethought in a while. Um, they'd evolved on stage and they continue continuing to evolve, but also not. And mm-hmm. the staleness of that was just as bad as the staleness of the set list. Well, yeah. And, and I definitely, there, there are times where like the inside joke is just, or the, like the shtick, Right. Or the stickiness yes. of it yes. just gets to be too much. Right. I used to always, I used to say we're still members only a lot and that I've stopped doing that. <laughs> like I would do it like at every break, we're still members only. You know, those kinds of things that like you say is throwaway and then you latch onto it and it runs its course and you don't want to do it yeah. anymore. So um, what talking about the way that we consider set layouts and, and the song selection and that kind of stuff. Uh, Fred Ellsworth from the uh, from the Patreon says, "His list changes mainly by venue. The age group we cater to can be dramatically different uh, one night to the next. Yep. That's a really great point. Um, you know, a corporate you know crowd is not going to react the same way as a younger crowd. And a lot of times when you're playing, um, you know, a bar or a club, and their their clientele is kind of fluid, where they don't have like a set of regulars. You do have to be kind of." able to pivot uh in the moment in order to to adjust stuff like we i I had mentioned a couple of episodes back where we had played i was filling in on bass for a 90s group uh, but i noticed the last time we were there man there was a bunch of like kids in their 
early mid twenties. It's like, we should do some of this pop punk stuff. And, um, because we weren't able to pivot in the moment, we ended up scaring a bunch of folks away, uh, as the night progressed where we could have grabbed them and held on to them for a lot longer if we had put the work in. Yep. Dennis Paget from smoking gun, our buddy yep. there says, uh, I usually mix in six to 10 songs from list to list and depending on the venue crowd. Exactly right. We have a very diverse set list so we can morph into a space that's needed to some degree. I tend to leave the first three songs the same just to help ease the band into the gig that night. I also have a limited amount of openers and closers that I know work. So, you know, Dennis is doing the thinking here. He's he's really thought about set list in terms of the assembly of it and the functional elements that need to go into it. I think it's we all need to be thinking that way. Yeah. And it's not a matter of necessarily like you, you can build to a crescendo, um, but there, there is a way to kind of navigate energy flow. Totally. And it also depends on the kind of gig that you're doing. Uh-huh. You know, is this, is this a space that kind of is, is a, like a long, like a drag of, of other bars and clubs where crowds are going to kind of come and go. And so the, the room is resetting all the time yeah. and you can revamp what you're doing in, in small blocks, or is it going to be a situation where you're playing for two hours straight and the people that are there to see you and you can really tell a story with what you're, what you're trying to do. Or is it a corporate event where you're wallpaper and people are shy to yep. be too weird in front of the boss or yeah, the, the dynamics of that very widely and you need to be ready to dance with that. Yep. Yeah, we have what we, I think the, if you aren't familiar with this kind of process here's a good challenge for you. Go through your band's entire song list, every song that you guys do. And I want you to split them into set one songs and set two songs. Mm. That does not, what I'm, that those two categories, set one and set two, don't have to mean anything. Right. They just have to mean what they mean to you and to your band and the way that your, your shows are, are structured. But I guarantee you, that if you look at your selection objectively, you you can kind of come up with what the definition of a set what song versus a set two song mm-hmm. might be and start there. And if you can figure that part out, maybe that's a, a good starting or jumping off point for when you start building your sets for your, your next event. Um, and just know that those things, again, they're going to be fluid. You're going to have songs that you add. Maybe they, you know, they hold up. Maybe they don't. Um, we have yet to throw Kyrie back in the set list. Um, we probably will. It's probably something that we would throw in at a private event just to test it back, test it out again. Yeah. Um, but with the thing we've got coming up on Saturday, lowest common denominator, big hits, nothing clever, just the surface area mm-hmm. of number ones, like big, big recognizable stuff. So that's what we're going to stick. With. Absolutely. I always love doing this. I love digging into this stuff. It's uh, totally. There's no right answers. There's stuff that works and maybe it works for one show and it doesn't work for the other. And Um, you should not be too quick to decide it doesn't work. Yeah, that's absolutely right. What's your rule? The Wang Chung rule? Yeah, the Wang Chung rule. You get three shows and if uh, people don't don't love it by the third show, if it goes over like crud three shows in a row, it's probably time to pull it out. Or- Go back to the lab, go back into the rehearsal room and figure out a way that you can zhuzh it up. I don't think we, we may sometime, we may bring back everybody have fun tonight at some point. I don't know when, <laughs> I don't know what the reason behind it would be. But like Curie went over okay, 
we just needed to cut the uh, the outro down because it's so it's way too long. long. Did you get a good like reaction on the big stop clap part of that song? Yeah, it was one of those things where like people were singing along, good. but like by the third pass of the the chorus and the key change, they were like, "Why are we still doing this?" <laughs> and else, we were, yeah, we were in now, the please. same, yeah, we were in the same boat. So yeah. um, we now know that we get maybe four tops. And probably less than that, we could probably get away with three, maybe even two. You know, um, we've been doing Bad Mamma Jamma and meddling it into Smooth Criminal, which is awesome. But um, Bad Mamma Jamma, if if you've ever listened to that, the original recording of it, it's like, it's not nine minutes long, but it feels nine minutes long. And it's incredibly repetitive. And it's a dance tune. It's meant to be danced to. It's not meant to be sat in your car and listened to. Cocaine. But- we literally are doing two verses, two choruses, get out. Because our first couple cuts at that, we were doing the whole song. And it was just, it was insanely long. We were all looking at each other at the end of it. Like, can we do some Michael Jackson now, please? Like, we really need to move on. It's, I mean, cocaine's a hell of a drug. For sure. And I think we should just end it on that. And that's why. Hey, friends. It's Uncle Bill here. Listen, don't buy drugs. That's right. I'm a rock star. a pop star, and they give them to you for free. Ah, uh, Bill Nagy. What a treasure. Ah, seriously. Well, guys and gals, I hope that was helpful stuff. Big thanks to Christine and all of the patrons for chiming in on this particular topic. Man, we've covered a lot of really interesting things this week. Um, talked about Ratlin Bog, which is like an Irish tune that has somehow blown up on TikTok <laughs> and has now become like the bane of every acoustic solo guy's existence. Yep. Playing for uh, swinger events popped up. Yep. Learned a lot about uh, pineapples. pineapples. Yep. So, uh, man, if you want to know <laughs> what is happening in, in the cover band world, you got to join the Patreon. Yep. Five bucks a month. You get access to uh, all these folks and all of the fun stuff that we're talking so about. So worth it. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, appreciate us getting the chance to have like a nice stretch out conversation and uh, go over all the stuff that uh, we... <laughs> we want to and hopefully we don't need to bake it down to uh, a tight 20 yeah, it was like a tight 12 Are you kidding me yeah well um yeah we'll just go ahead and uh do all the things that uh we tell you guys to do uh except mike's gonna do it now yep so that being said go ahead and call it for this week in Atlanta, georgia i'm adam johnson in greensboro north carolina i'm dan ray You've been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast for the week of June 23rd, 2023. Hey everybody, it's Mike Schulte from the worst name band in America, the Pork Tornadoes. I listen and love this show and apparently you do too because you made it this far. No one makes it this far, but you did, which means that you owe Adam and Dan. This podcast is free and you consume it to its fullest. It's time to pay up. Here's three things you need to do. A, you have to leave them a review on your podcast platform. You're already in the app. Click five stars right now, write some words, done. While you're there, share this episode to a fellow musician. There's a share icon on your podcast app. Text it to him and say, you need to listen to this. You need to get better. You're not a good musician. This will help you. Two, 
You have to follow them on your social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Go find them and follow. And D, everything I just said is free and it's the least you can do, but here's where you can really support you. Join the Patreon. This is where you can actually support this podcast that you cherish so much. A small monthly donation gets you access to the Slack channel, which is the best place to be if you're a musician who wants to take your band to the next level. You have some of the best musicians giving advice and helping you out, and it's just a great overall community do it i'm serious do it now do all these things or else the pork tornadoes will come to your town book a show the same night as your band at a different bar i'm serious we'll do it 